It's Friday night. You're sitting in your dorm room deciding what to do for the evening. And you're in college, by the way, just so you know. There are three different ways that you could spend this Friday night. First, you could stay in and watch television. Second, you could go out and enjoy an evening with friends at the bar, having some drinks and a good time. Or third, like a good student, you could stay in and study. So if you do believe in the merit of your coursework and are committed to your studies, but you're also committed to your happiness, committed to your fulfillment, what's the best possible way you could spend this Friday night? Welcome to the Impactivism Podcast, where we explore how each of us, as individuals, can get better at doing good. I'm your host, Logan Sullivan, and this is episode number 12. So if you really do believe in the merit of your coursework you are committed to your studies and you really do want to excel in this degree in order to apply it later to living a happy and fulfilling life in which you can contribute to something that you believe in, then most of us would probably agree that the most constructive way that you could possibly spend this evening, I guess among these three alternatives, would be to stay in and study which will eliminate future stress and, of course, prevent the inevitable byproducts of procrastination if you are to delay your studies to later on in the semester, and will allow you at that point to sit fulfilled and happy in the fact that you've done the best that you can do. And we'd all probably also agree that the worst possible way that you, uh, well, I guess the worst among these three alternatives, the worst thing you could do, is stay in and waste your evening watching television. So a possibilist then would be pretty unlikely to seek further details on who you are and would suggest that the best possible decision you can make in this scenario is to stay in and study. Therefore, you ought to stay in and study. The actualist, on the other hand, takes a little bit more into consideration and might, as a result, differ in their conclusion. But this depends on a few things. It depends on how much you know about yourself and how honest you're being with yourself. So if, in actuality, when you stay in, you will actually study, then that's what you ought to do. And here, the actualist and the possibilist reach the same conclusion. But if you know yourself and that you're really 
likely won't end up studying if you do in fact stay in for the evening, then pragmatically speaking, it would be best to go out with your friends, enjoy the evening, because that's much better to contribute to your health, well-being, and fulfillment, and eventual effectiveness at studying later on in the semester, than it would be to stay in and watch TV as long as you know that you are highly unlikely to actually study when you stay in. So how does this relate to being part of impacting the world positively? You know, being an impactivist. I think this is just a thought tool that we can employ when deciding how we set out to accomplish good in the broadest sense. I think there's a lot of applications for this way of thinking that we can really apply to our own lives as well as to the act of trying to do good in the world. So for another example, we set a goal to decrease our greenhouse gas emissions by committing to ride our bicycle to work every single day, rain or shine, knowing somewhere in the back of our head that we probably won't live up to this commitment. And when it eventually rains and we inevitably decide to drive to work that day, we'll end up feeling a bit defeated, right? You know, in probably in turn more likely to give up on the whole idea of riding our bicycle to work and the commitment that we made. So instead, if we're realistic with ourselves, right, from the very beginning, we know that we won't ride our bike in the rain when we wake up on that cold, dark morning and it's pouring outside, knowing that we've ridden our bike so many days before. And we would set our goal accordingly and in the end be much more likely to stick with the objective in the long run. And I think the same goes for maybe pledging to donate a certain portion of your income which there's a, an episode number four covers uh, a conversation with me and a close friend in which we decided to donate 10% of our income for the rest of our lives. And I upped that following the election of Donald Trump to 20% during the time uh, Trump is in office. So I think that's episode four, a uh, lifetime pledge to give, if you're interested in checking that out. But, you know, if we do say 20%, you know, annually, uh, we make that pledge to give. It's of course better than 5%, but if that's not realistic, right? Or if it's not sustainable in your mind or in the life that you're accustomed to or wanting to live or the one that you believe in, then just be pragmatic because 5%, right? Is infinitely better than 0%. And I have thought about this a lot. You know, is that 20% for the next four years, God, I hope it's shorter, or even the next eight, who knows? <laughs> you know, is that sustainable within my life? And I've decided it is. And I've thought about that a lot. And I'm definitely taking a, <laughs> a pragmatic um, approach to this, knowing that I probably wouldn't be sustainable to donate 50%. And I can definitely do more than five. So that 20% while Trump is in office, it actually, I think, 
I I'm giving something, but at the same time, I'm receiving a lot more because I feel like I'm, it's so hopeless to try to invest myself in trying to prevent all of the things that I'm seeing on the news every single day. I am not in position to stop that. I am not currently in position to prevent that, but I am definitely in position given my, uh, the, the place in this world that I occupy, you know, I am not wealthy <laughs> at all, uh, by American standards. I mean, I've, I'm not making much money at all, but by global standards, I am, you know, if you make $11,880 a year, which is the poverty level in America, you are still the richest 14% of humans on planet earth. If you make $55,000 a year, you're the richest 1%. And I know I've mentioned that a couple times, but that's just to highlight that during that time, if I'm giving that 20%, I'm feeling like I am doing something that I can do. And sometimes that in ways that feels like a cop-out to be giving instead of actively doing something, or maybe that's like building up moral credibility so that I don't have to do other things, but I'm doing the other things also. This is just one thing that I know is very easily within my reach. And there is a lot of evidence, a lot of information now in 2017 to confirm that if I donate this to the most effective nonprofits, then I am actually having a significant impact. If I'm donating that whimsically, then I would not feel one one hundredth as confident in my choice. But if I continue to give to the most effective evidence-based organizations, then I can stand behind this and know that it's a good choice. But back to actualism and possibilism. So I guess in that sense, my possibilist self <laughs> would say I should be donating 50% or why not 70 or why not 80? But my actualist self says that's not sustainable. But 5%, I can do more than that too. So I can do 20 and still, I don't think really change anything in my life other than being more fulfilled hugely i mean significantly more fulfilled i believe but that's an experiment to be uh trialed as time goes on and i'll definitely check back in on that uh, with updates And I guess these commitments that we make, they're like you know, the gym membership or the New Year's resolutions or, you know, this declaration to go on these intensive diets, right? Or when you watch a, a documentary and discover for the first time the environmental harm of animal agriculture and you want to immediately go full vegan, right? That would probably be, all things considered, the, you know, the best thing that you could do for the environment when it comes to your food choices. Of course, that's a there's a lot of complication in that discussion, but I uh, think the evidence strongly supports that. But given what you know about yourself, right? given who you know yourself to be, we'd first have to ask, is this realistic to just jump immediately into militant veganism? And I've definitely made this mistake, right? I've jumped headfirst into <laughs> into a lot of things you know going from uh, you know nothing to everything or everything to nothing you know making these intense commitments based on 
having whether an epiphany or somebody telling me a story that finally changed my mind to a way that I had to support as inconvenient as it might be or when I was feeling sort of useless at, at a point in time and I needed to do something drastic to prove to myself that I'm living a constructive life or I'm contributing to something positive. So I think, you know, I've jumped headfirst into this definitely when, I mean, stick with this example with veganism and, and vegetarianism at certain points, you know, I jump headfirst into this until I had inevitably had a bite of a cheeseburger drunk at 2 a.m. in college and woke up the next morning thinking like I'm a complete failure. You know, I had this one bite, therefore nothing else matters. So I might as well make some bacon for breakfast, right? And that's just so unproductive. You know, I probably should have just jumped straight into reducitarianism, which is a topic that I'll cover in episodes to come somewhere. I think I have a full episode dedicated to it eventually, just talking about how we can, I guess there's just a really strong or clearly a strong stigma, right, attached to the, the term veganism. I don't think anybody can argue with that. Maybe I should start saying plant-based diet instead, just to try to avoid the baggage that always comes, you know, hand in hand with conversations of animal welfare as soon as the term vegan arises you know it's not there until that comes into play we can talk about the abuse of animals but as soon as we start talking about you know um, animal agriculture and the animals that we eat as opposed to the cuddly cute ones then the whole conversation changes and you know all these associations with veganism and sort of you know, tree hugging hippies and the preconceptions brought into this discussion or you know preconceptions of leftist uh, politics and an aversion to that from others that aren't in alignment with um, you know the associations we have with veganism it often creates you know like a defensiveness that prevents you know just very reasonable conversations from being had and but I fully fully understand it's really unfortunate but I understand where people are coming from because these associations with certain subcultures that don't always do the term or the cause a lot of justice you know i understand where they're coming from and I, I think some of these subcultures don't always advocate for the topic in the most convincing or constructive or relatable ways and so others outside of that group of course have you know very reasonable um i think justifications for feeling this way or for as soon as i hear that term bringing up all this baggage it sucks, but that's the truth. So I guess I hope that in this space here on this podcast, you know, in spaces like this, when the topic of animal welfare arises, we can try to have a just simply reasoned conversation without bringing to the table these, you know, sometimes either irrational or irrational emotions that often cause us to close our ears and to look away and not want to talk with one another, not want to have dialogue, to learn and to, I don't know, try to understand one another and the world in general in a bit more, you know, with a clearer vision. And I guess with that, I'll promise that any animal welfare topic that's, you know, coming from my side here in the podcast, I promise to be highly just rational and absent of these emotions. Uh, you know, as I guess this topic, I think this is one topic in which emotions have very little potential of serving any constructive purpose for people interested in dialogue and debate and in the pursuit of knowledge and of something as close as we can reach to truth, right? So that's a promise for me. So if that comes up and it will, 
you know, as time goes on, it won't all be about what we eat, but all topics related to um, the way that animals can be treated. Anyway, (laughs) I guess to get back to the conversation, if I was reasonable with myself, and I ask that if I hold myself to this extreme standard, am I going to stick with this commitment, right? Of course, the answer would very often be no, of course not. And if I told myself otherwise, I'd be lying. And if I paused to think about it for a couple of minutes and I, I was honest enough with myself, I would admit that. But in the end, you know, I chose not to, so I'd, I'd last two weeks. And like I always would, then I'd stumble a little bit and then feel like a complete and utter failure, stop for eight weeks to try and, you know, build up the courage to try it again, facing the inevitable failure, you know, and then I'd fail again, right? And it was a cycle and it was just so defeating and it took away so much energy that I could have put towards positive ends. So I guess in the end, the impact achieved, you know, through these efforts, uh, you know, when I was back back and forth between extreme carnivore and and vegetarian or vegan, you know, it was very minimal. You know, instead, I could have recognized that with 20% of that effort, I could have achieved 95% the impact and would have stuck with that much longer, right? And in the end, how much more could I have accomplished or how much more would I have impacted or avoided negatively impacting, I guess? Now, this may be, I guess, getting a little off topic. I'm already there, but that was just, I think, really an ego thing. And I feel like it's pretty common to act in this way, right? I think setting particular goals and upholding the value of sticking to this goals, you know, in a way to prove something to myself or to maybe prove something to others, you know, upholding the value of this above the value of actually impacting what I originally set out to impact, it, that's just so counterproductive. It's that militantism. I think it's, you know, really common in vegans. And <laughs> I am i did not plan to talk about this. I'm, I'm going to go with this a little bit. I think it's not entirely on topic, but it's close enough and something that would eventually come out. So let's see how this goes. Right, so I think the the militantism in in a lot of vegans is for incredibly sensible and rational reasons. It's just the application of these reasons that can be either you know, either serving no purpose or actually proving to be detrimental, you know, in certain cases. And I think this is very applicable. All this idea is applicable to anything that we're trying to do good with, and maybe that would be committing to volunteering extreme amounts of hours or to giving extreme extreme amounts of of money or doing a job that is incredibly challenging and miserable and risky and unsafe in order to, you know, sacrifice yourself to do good. Um, I think this similar idea is very applicable in a way. Never to discourage, you know, doing that, but um, I don't think that from my experience, that that is the most constructive way to go. But uh, that's for everybody, I think, to consider case by case. Anyway, I guess, I think for a really simple example, let's say, you know, to somebody sticking to veganism, um, you know, very, very firmly, and their purpose is a combination of having respect for animal welfare and for environmental purposes. But so if, if this militant vegan is sticking with the cause for both animal welfare and environmental purposes. Then they find out that something at the restaurant 
uh, that was brought to the table was cooked on the same stove as eggs were cooked or in the same oil that meat was fried in, then they send that meal back to be thrown away, right? In this case, there is a net zero impact on animals because that deed was already done and really there wasn't really a deed there at all. Um, I don't think there is, we can have a very nitty gritty conversation about the impact of that, but to me, that is not um, uh, worth much time or energy for that extremely small potential impact and large amount of effort to ask at every restaurant you ever go to the ver all the specifics and have the waitress or waiter walk back and forth and answer all these questions anyway different conversation entirely getting way more off track anyway i think there's in, in this case there was a net zero impact on the animals and i think a negative impact on environmental causes you know through having something thrown away that um, you know had an impact but you know that again that deed was done too so having throwing that away and then asking for more food you know even if the additional food was locally grown and five diamond organic if that's a thing you know it still has a footprint so you're just increasing your environmental footprint so the overall impact of all that was only to serve a purpose in somebody's you know mind of deciding to stick with something though again for very strong reasons but in analyzing the actual impact of that particular case, it's unconstructive. Anyway, I guess that's <laughs> that's just one way I think that militant approaches can seem noble and then reveal themselves as less constructive than we might think. And I guess I guess the other way is looking at the diminishing returns of impact as related to units of effort expended on a particular topic, right? I think the 80-20 rule fits in somewhere here for sure and i think um can play in most cases of doing good right if you're not familiar with it it's to say that a fat tail curve exists in a distribution meaning that for you know to put it very simply 80 percent of uh, out outcomes can result from 20 percent of the efforts or inputs and that's just generally 80 20 but that can also mean 10 90 or 1595 or anything it's just to say that you can achieve a great deal of what you're trying to achieve with a small amount of effort and then the additional effort or the additional inputs thereafter um, can be much less or lower yielding in uh, as investments right and i think we should of course aspire to do as much good as we can in any given area but we have to recognize and that's a lot of what this podcast is about that we are finite resources and we have only so much time and so much energy. So if, again, coming back to this example, if I can achieve 99% of the impact of eating a plant-based diet with case-by-case -case exceptions for maybe 30% of the effort, then I have that other 70% of my energy and time to dedicate to other topics. Again, that was way off topic. Uh, I think not that far off topic, but I felt like I needed to get that out there real quick. Okay, so <laughs> coming back to actualism and possibilism, I, I guess I think the biggest takeaway here uh, from, from this episode is just know yourself and be honest with yourself and set your goals accordingly. Whether that's goals you know, for impacting change, for leading a more ethical and benevolent life, or just your own goals in trying to be a healthy, kind friendly 
happy, fulfilled person, right? So be honest with yourself. Don't sign up for these intensive diets and go all in or nothing. And when you're inevitably not going to stick with it, don't try to commit to only riding your bike every single day, but ride it often and eat better. You know, these are are, are ways that we can really do positive things, but without setting ourselves up to feel like, you know, we're defeated when we don't live up to something that we knew we couldn't actually live up to in, in the end. So I guess I can put it this way. It's say five times as productive and impactful to do half as much good per month for 10 times as many months, right? I mean, if you can do more good or double that, that's great. But if it's not sustainable and you know that, then do what you can and what you know is sustainable for yourself. All right, so know what good you can commit to doing in the long run. And this isn't at all to say not to push yourself and don't act urgently. And I'll talk about in a lot of episodes why it's important to understand that some causes aren't extremely urgent, but a lot of causes there is a level of urgency. So this doesn't mean act irrationally and jump right into things, but it means we don't have a lot of time to spare, right? And the sooner we act, the better. But it is to say, I guess, in conclusion, just be pragmatic when your possibilist self and your actualist self just don't agree. That's all. So, thank you so much for getting through this episode. That was actualism versus possibilism. Now, what's the difference and why should we care? So, I hope I highlighted that some and I hope you can apply that. I didn't give a lot of concrete examples of specific actions that we can take, just a framework for thinking about how we commit to certain um, things in life and in our efforts to do good. So, Thank you to Cello Joe and Hana, uh, musicians, for their for access and permission to use this beautiful music in this episode. You can check out all their details in the show notes at logansullivan.com. Uh, if you get an opportunity to subscribe on iTunes, please do that. If you can leave a review, if you really like this, that would be amazing. It goes a long way uh, to help spread the word, and I guess that's why I'm here. So also, if you know anybody who might benefit from any of these episodes... Do consider sharing, post it on, on Facebook or anything else, or just send it to a friend, and uh, much appreciated. So I'll be back again every Monday and every Wednesday with lots more to come. Thank you so much, and if you, one, one last thing. If you do have anybody in mind that you'd like to hear on this podcast to interview, if it's somebody you know or somebody you've heard of that you think would make a good uh, interview, definitely let me know. Uh, reach out at logansullivan.com. Thanks so much. Thank you.